listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. You're listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Ready to launch yourself to the latest Rockets news. You're listening to Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Lashar Binkley. Of course, you can always find me on the Dream Shake. I actually had an article that came out this morning, so make sure you check that out. Also, you can find me on Twitter at HTownForLife40, all caps. As usual, please make sure to leave us some stars and reviews. We always like to hear from our listeners of, on the Launchpad Podcast, so please make sure you leave that for us. Um, today, we have a, a very special guest here. Of course, we all know the trade deadline just passed. There was a lot of activity, well, a lot of activity for other teams outside of Houston. Um, the Rockets did make a, a small trade that we'll be discussing, and more of the news about the Rockets has been about the moves that they didn't make. So I definitely want to uh, talk about that today. But we are joined today by Mark Schindler. He um, is actually on a lot of different platforms so i want to make sure i get all these correct um i mean you pretty much have a a job a day so i mean you're definitely a busy person but mark is a writer for basketball news he's also a writer for fear the sword also 137 p.m he also has podcasts um tag roll tag the roll which i love the name by the way and indie corn rolls so i definitely want to welcome in mark because he is a busy person (laughs) this whole week with all the different trades that went down. I'm sure he's been on other podcasts. So I definitely want to um, thank you for coming on the show today, Mark. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Lashar. It's good to finally connect and, and, yeah. and be on here. I'm, I'm actually pretty psyched to talk about the Rockets. I haven't talked about the Rockets on a podcast in a minute. I've uh, I, I mixed emotions watching them throughout the year, um, but I'm, I'm psyched to talk, man. Yeah, because you actually had a really good article um, that came out last month talking about the uh, Rockets revival where y'all talked about uh, several of the young guys, you and your and Matt Issa's. Um, mm-hmm. I, hopefully I'm saying his name right. I think um, that's right. He, yeah, he actually did a part one. You did a part two where y'all broke down all the Rockets young players, which was a really in-depth article. And that's definitely one of the reasons why I want to have you on. Also, we've been talking back and forth on Twitter for a while. So yeah. it's just good to have you on the show. So, of course, that's kind of where I want to start. Um, I want to start with, the moves that the Rockets made and didn't make. Um, they made one move um, at the trade deadline where they sent out Daniel Tice back to Boston and they brought in Dennis Schroeder, um, Enos, I'm about to say Cantor, Enos Freedom. They actually traded for as well, as well as Bruno Fernando. They've actually already waived Enos Freedom um, actually as soon as the trade went down. Um, the other two, um, Bruno Fernando and Dennis Schroeder, are actually still on the roster and and actually people were talking to Rafael Stone during this press conference yesterday, and it sounded like the Rockets possibly could keep Dennis Schroeder, but I think the buyout is still on the table for that. Um, and as far as Bruno Fernando, he's still on the roster as well. They haven't talked about buying him out. So that's kind of where I want to start. The Rockets didn't make any other moves. The big talk with the Rockets had been they were going to possibly move Eric Gordon. Um, it had been talked about actually since last year that 
ever since they moved out for P.J. Tucker and the other trades that they they made. Um, Eric Gordon was the next logical choice because he's a veteran that could help and contend the team. But mm-hmm. at the deadline, he wasn't moved. He's still on the Rockets. The Rockets seem to be happy. Um, Eric Gordon, you know, at least from everything he said, he seems to be happy to still be on the team. And he also didn't move Christian Wood, um, who was also part of some trade rumors, who doesn't necessarily maybe not fit with the Rockets going long term. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I want to get your opinion on that, Mark. Uh, what was kind of your sense, um, you know, on the outside of Rocket sphere, um, what was your sense? <clears throat> excuse me, of where the Rockets didn't make any moves as far as any major players. They just kind of made a small minor move getting off of Daniel Tice's contract. Yeah, I guess um, I wasn't really surprised that Tice got moved. Obviously, how that's gone this year, that really did not. The signing did not work out, um, just in, in the slightest, honestly. Um, so that I wasn't super shocked by, but like you mentioned, I was really surprised that Eric Gordon didn't get moved. Not just, I think a lot of people are pointing it to like, yes, he's having the career shooting. Um, I think he's shooting like, uh, it's almost like 50, 40, 80, like right around there. Um, just having a really good year to me, it's been more about the health for him. Like this is the healthiest season he's had in what, like, I mean, probably his entire time in Houston since he's been, yeah. So uh, I think that was more why I was surprised that he didn't get traded because I, I just wonder what the market is going to be like next year. Um, I like, obviously you don't want to just make a trade to make a trade, but at the same time too, like at least for me and watching him the last couple of weeks, his fit, like, well, he's been very good on court. I think it, like, I don't know it. I mean, does it, does it not feel to you like he's just kind of uh, like, he doesn't feel like quite on the same page with some of the younger guys. Well, <clears throat> I do think that it seemed like, at least the last couple of weeks, he's kind of, I won't say be take, taking it easy, but mm-hmm. he definitely sensed that he was going to be traded at some point. Yeah. And I will say that he does help the younger guys as far as how to become a professional, how to yeah. train, how to um, get your certain spots on the court, especially with like Jalen Green, trying to learn the best way to actually get your shot up when you're taking contested threes. Um, but I mean, overall, yeah, it's kind of a weird fit because the Rockets are trying to play Jalen Green, Josh Christopher. Um, eventually they do want to bring on Deshaun Nix from the G League. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird fit trying to find where you can actually play Eric Gordon, who's actually really still playing really well. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the Rockets really did want to make a trade, but I don't think they were in a really big hurry to trade Gordon just because I think some of the trades they were getting were possibly probably the best ones they were getting at that were towards the end of the first round this year. And even though it's kind of weird to say, I don't think the Rockets really are in a hurry to have a lot more draft picks right now because yeah. they have players they have to play now. They're going to have draft picks next year they have to play. So it's kind of a weird dynamic to where they want draft picks, but they want them later on um, in the um, probably, you know, three or four years from now instead of this year or next year. So, yeah, I do agree. It's kind of a weird fit. And, I mean, but as far as Christian Wood, you know, you, you know, being not necessarily somebody that, may follow the Rockets, you know, as much as, you know, I do where I follow them every single day. Mm-hmm. What's kind of your sense on Christian Wood? Um, you did mention before we started uh, recording here that you'll be writing something up here pretty soon on Christian Wood. So what's your opinion on Wood, who went from last year, who could have been an all-star before he got hurt, to now this year where he's been inconsistent at best? Yeah, I think that's a nice way to put it with inconsistency. <laughs> yes. um, like. <laughs> I don't want to be unfair to him uh, because to, to be fair, like this team is not good. I think even if everybody yeah. was clicking at the same time, I don't think this is close to a 500 team. Like they have a lot of young guys playing. Jalen really struggled the first month um, yeah. and has had some ups and downs as the year has turned to. Um, 
just really hard to win with this team right now. But I do think he should be a lot better than he has been. Like the defense that he's played has been kind of a joke, if I'm being honest, like compared <laughs> yes. to what he's capable of doing. Because we saw last year, like as much as this team uh, struggled offensively, like when they had Victor and John both both healthy and playing before they traded Victor, um, like they were, if I remember correctly, they were a top five defense, like close to the first defense in the league yeah. for like a month long stretch. And part of that was Christian playing really well defensively. Um, Jay Sean obviously coming on as well. Like, I think you saw enough last year when he was on this team to be like, yeah, man, this is, he could be doing more here. I think, um, I, I wouldn't call him a ball stopper or anything on offense, but there are times where it definitely seems like he's just going out to get his own shot. Um, and, I don't know, man. I just have – I didn't think he was going to get traded at the trade deadline, just given reporting. Um, but when he had the quote coming out saying that he you know, he wanted to be in Houston and everything, I was like, okay, well, I get that. But this is like – it's not it's not the hardened levels of, of what his play is like on court. But, I mean, yeah. it's pretty listless. If he wants to be somebody who's going to change things around in Houston and, and be an all-star level guy like he's talked about, I mean, he's got to play better than he has. Um, so – I mean, there's definitely more nuance to it than just like, oh, you know, you got, you got to be better. I, I get it. Like, I, I don't think it would be easy to go out and play your ass off for a 15 and 40 team. But yeah, there, there's definitely more to to that than what he's doing. Yeah, I think that's been kind of the biggest thing with a lot of Rockets fans here, because um, I mean, if you go look around Rockets Twitter um, and just go on the spaces, um, you're pretty much going to hear a couple of things. You're going to hear. We don't know if Coach Salas is the coach, mm-hmm. and we don't want Christian Wood on the team anymore. I mean, unfortunately, that's just kind yeah. of where it's falling to. And you and it's it's going to be like that with any team. When you're having one of the worst records in the league for two straight years, there's always going to be a guy that they're going. Everyone's going to single out. Mm-hmm. And Christian Wood, honestly, and like you mentioned, has made it really easy to single him out, especially on defense. It's sometime on offense where he just looks like he could be one of the best offensive front court players in the league. He's shooting. Close to 37% from three. He can get to the basket. But a lot of time, like you said, he's a ball stopper. And he does try to bring the ball up way too many times on fast breaks to where you'll have KPJ and Jalen Green just kind of just floating around because they don't know mm-hmm. what to do when Christian Wood is rumbling down the court, running into his defenders. So, yeah, I think that a lot of teams around the league and actually spoke with Jake, Jake Fisher right before the trade deadline. And it seems like a lot of teams around the league just don't value Christian Wood like the Rockets do. So, yeah, I guess I can't exactly be shocked that the Rockets weren't able to make a trade, or even if they were trying to make a trade, because I think they may do it more towards the trade deadline. Um, uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about as far as the Rockets and you know the trades that they didn't make or, or did make, um, do you see the Rockets, especially as you were writing your article, you you – kind of evaluate a lot of the young guys do you see the Rockets as kind of content on where the young guys and we'll talk about more about this in the second segment mm-hmm. but you think the Rockets are more content with their young players to where they weren't just really in a hurry to make a trade just to make a trade yeah and I think that's part of it too like you mentioned about Eric Gordon um like he is by all accounts awesome dude to have in the locker room so yeah. I don't hate Houston not moving him like if they think he's that vital to the locker room I can't fault that um especially considering, like you mentioned, like this team is extremely young and very green. Uh, so like having somebody there who can maybe stabilize things, I think is a good thing. Um, it's just going to, you know, it all depends on how things start to shake out. But I think it has been helpful to a degree to have him out there, even if it hasn't always been pretty. But um, 
just in terms of other trades as well, like I don't think that like like you're mentioning, I don't think this is a team that necessarily needs to go out and make a bunch of trades, but I am curious to see how they uh, start to unlock things because part of uh, I think I was maybe a little bit too harsh when it happened at the draft. I had real questions about their draft class. Like I loved every pick they made in a vacuum. Like I love Usman Garuba. I love Josh Christopher. I thought the values that they they got them at were fantastic. Like same thing with Jalen Green. I think I just want to say quick aside too. I have hated the way that people have talked about like Jalen Green and just yeah. like made it a huge <laughs> debate. Like just let chips fall how they fall, man. It's literally not even been a year. Let's relax. He's been really encouraging in, in over stretches. We knew it was going to be like it's it was going to take time for him to transition. Um, but as for everything, like there are just so many young guys and it's hard to, um, I mean, I guess to a degree, you're not trying to maximize every single guy. Cause realistically you can't get the most, you can't get the most potential out of every single guy you pick. Yeah. But part of what's difficult with that for me is when you take four guys in the same draft class, I mean, finding out how to maximize them and, and put them in the best positions all at the same time is extremely difficult. And I think we've seen that this year. It, like, I mean, trying to figure out KPJ as a lead ball handler, he's looked awesome recently, but like, yes, I think yeah. uh, it took him a while to get there. It was very bumpy. Uh, they're still figuring out, you know, how to get Jalen moving the best off the ball and into more on ball actions too. I still don't think that I, I am super in love with how they're using Alperin right now. Um, and even then, like his play style, he has to adapt a little bit to, the team as well but that's part of what's difficult when you don't have established veterans and role players already playing um or established hierarchies it's hard to um just influx all of this young talent that's never never been in smaller roles before so um it's been interesting to see it i've been a little bit more encouraged recently but um i mean like you're mentioning i think that's part of why i'm not the trade deadline wasn't as huge to me for for houston um, I definitely have, I mean, we'll get into it shortly about the guys who they did bring in, but uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see on that. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, I definitely agree with all of that. I think a lot of people kind of forget sometimes that the Rockets brought in four young guys and trying to implement them into a team. I mean, that's not easy to do, especially mm-hmm. in a one year period. It hasn't actually even been a year. Um, we're talking about a little over half a season. So, I mean, it's just going to take time. And I know talking about patience and, and it's going to take time. A lot of people don't want to hear that. But, I mean, it's just honestly just the way it is right now for the Rockets. Um, let's move on from the Rockets uh, before we wrap up the first segment because there was a lot of activity outside of the Rockets. Some actually does affect the Rockets long term. And, of course, we want to start with that trade uh, with James Harden going to the Philadelphia 76ers and 76ers sending back Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. Um, those are basically the main players in that trade. When you first saw that trade, uh, first off, did you were you surprised that it happened? Even though it was sort of being talked about more and more as the days got closer to the trade deadline, um, so were you surprised that it happened? And also, what's kind of just your overall feel as far as did the 76ers actually get better bringing over players like Ben Simmons and Seth Curry? And who who do you think actually won that trade? Even though sometimes that's kind of hard to say before you actually yeah. see them on the court. Um, no, I mean, I guess when I saw the notification it was definitely surprising because I, uh, I mean, I was just hitting the point where I was like, is this actually going to happen? You know, like, and it's the kind of thing yeah. too, where those names are so big that you just, I mean, when it does happen, you're not really ready for it. Um, like I'll never forget waking up in the morning, the day after Kawhi and PG signed in the middle of the night. And, yes. Um, yeah, it so it, it's just the kind of thing where until you see it, you're like, yeah, I don't know if it's actually going to happen. Um, 
I mean, I had been hearing stuff about James being unhappy for a couple months now. So uh, I wasn't super surprised that it ended up coming to this. Um, I do think like in terms of just looking at this uh, on court, I love it for both teams. I mean, yeah. in, in, in some ways, I think we can be a little bit too much looking just at one year, like granularly. Um, like, I mean, Philly brought this on themselves, by the way, everything's played out with, with Ben um, putting him in trade rumors last year and, and pretty actively shopping him the way that they talked about him after game seven yes. um, and the way everything has played out with that. Um, so they kind of backed themselves into a corner, but the fact that they were able to get out of that corner with adding a guy who, despite having a really rough year is still an incredibly good player. Like I'm very interested by James's fit in, in Philadelphia. I sometimes think, uh, and I'm sure you're, you're used to this as well with how people talk about him. Like, Oh, it's just hardened ball. It's all iso ball. Like I think James <laughs> yes. adapts his game pretty well to whoever he plays with. Like he definitely has had moments where, yeah, he, he, he likes to play his style, but I mean, going from playing with Chris Paul to playing with Russ and still having success, like, I think it was pretty clear that he was able to adapt his game a little yeah, bit. So I think that's been a lot. for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I think with, uh, with Embiid, I mean, it's just a really interesting fit to me. Uh, people are really obsessed with the pick and roll game and like uh, Joel, not necessarily being a great roller, but like, okay, he's still seven foot two, ridiculously athletic. Yeah. has had the best passing season of his career and the best shooting season of, of his career. Like they're, I, I think they'll figure it out. Like, I'm really not worried about that. Um, I am interested to see how everything looks lineup wise. Losing Seth Curry was, um, I mean, I would have been more ready to give up Matisse Thybul than, than Seth Curry. Oh, like I, I know yeah. that there are probably questions about the perimeter defense with James there and how he's looked this year, but um, like losing that level of floor spacing and, and uh, outlet scoring that they have from Seth is something I'm very interested to see how it plays out for them. But um, I mean, I honestly think both teams won because Ben is like to me, uh, Brooklyn, everything they did prior to Kyrie coming back sort of um, was built on defense. Like all of their, their role players are, are, are more defensive based. They, they have like yeah. just a big issue of having a lot of one way players, which has been a problem for them. But um, I think adding in Ben really helps with securing more of that identity because they've really struggled with just finding who they are as a team, especially throughout their lineups. Um, so I'm interested to see what that looks like. I think that you can do some interesting, interesting stuff with him running the break and in transition and, um, especially like, like we mentioned with Christian, I think like if you have a guy who is big that can handle, and if they're locked into what the team is doing, um, if you can run the break that way, you can do some damage to a defense. Like it's just yeah. a lot harder when someone who's not a primary ball handler, who, who isn't typically the, the initiators bringing the ball up. Um, so I'm interested to see what that can look like. I think that it's going to be easier for him to be part of that offense without some of the uh, warts popping up that we saw in prior years. Um, and then again, like adding Seth Curry, Andre Drummond too. like Drummond's yeah. been good this year. Like I think he'll probably start for them. And if he doesn't start, he'll be the first big off the bench. So um, I like it for both teams. I think this makes, uh, I mean, it's obviously going to depend what, what both guys look like in their new setting, but um, I think given where both teams were at and how things were going, it's kind of a win-win. Yeah, and you know, yeah, funny you mentioned Andre Drummond because a lot of people had kind of soured on him, and he had mm -hmm. he's had a really good year as Embiid's backup. Yeah, I'm um, actually starting some games that Embiid missed, so I mean, I think that's definitely a improvement. You know, not that Claxton was horrible, but it just seemed like Steve Nash is just not in a real hurry. He wasn't in a real hurry to play mm -hmm. Claxton that much. He tends to like to play Blake Griffin at center and. 
before that, even Paul Millsap sometimes. So yeah, or LaMarcus Aldridge. So I, I definitely think that that's definitely an upgrade at the center position. Uh, one more quick thing on this trade, because I mean, honestly, we can talk about this trade for the rest of the podcast. There's so many different parts to it. But mm-hmm. do you think that James Harden takes away from Tyrese Maxey at all? Because Maxey really started to come on um, right before the trade deadline. Do you think, how do you think those two players will fit together? Because yeah, as you said, we know James Harden kind of can make anybody a really good player. I mean, just look at Ben McLemore's of the world where he's able to get players contracts that no other player can, can get yeah. and, and make them actual serviceable NBA players. But how do you think he fits with Maxi, who was really doing well as kind of the primary ball handler before they made that trade? It's a great question. Um, I'm interested by their fit because especially too defensively, like Maxi has gotten better, but he's still um, like, I think he's somebody who's going to be a good defender, but it's just yeah. about consistency for him. Um, so I'm interested to see what that looks like, but in terms of just ball handling in general, um, man, that's, it's just like seeing how it's going to play out on court. I'm not really sure what to make of it, especially because yeah. I think sometimes it can be overplayed, you know, doc with, with staggering, but it is pretty true. You know, he's not great at staggering guys. And I think we've seen that play out. So, I mean, I'm interested to see how that plays out with Joel and James, but I do think it's at least more likely that he'll, he'll stagger Tyrese Maxey because what are they going to do, like run the offense for freaking Korkmaz? So um, I think they will have to stagger that a little bit. Um, and I, I, like, I, I don't know. I feel pretty comfortable with how Tyrese moves without the ball. Like he's going to make himself open. He's a good cutter. Like he sees the court well, so I'm not I'm not super worried about that. Um, I think it's going to be more like, okay, what is what does what does this look like when Harden doesn't have the ball in his hands? Because we've seen at times, like in Houston and in Brooklyn, where if James doesn't have the ball, he's not exactly very active relocating off the yes, ball and making himself a weapon. So I think that's what will be more interesting too, especially because you can get a lot out of what Tyrese does with the ball in his hands. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I think a lot's just going to be like, what what does Harden look like in, in Philadelphia? Yeah, and of course, Rockets fans are gonna be paying really close attention because the Rockets basically own Brooklyn's future. Yeah, um, pretty much all their future picks, either their picks outright or uh, pick swaps. So it'll be interesting to see how it works out. If Phil, I mean, if yeah, if Brooklyn's getting the Ben Simmons from two or three years ago, or are they getting Ben Simmons from last year? Nobody really knows. So all that's gonna be really interesting to kind of see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick before we wrap up the first segment, I want to ask you about some other trades. Of course, you're you're in Cleveland, correct? Yeah, yeah. You just live in Cleveland. Cleveland. So you're 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 right outside of Cleveland, and you write for uh, write a lot about the Indiana Indianapolis Pace, uh, Indiana Pacers. So I'm sure it was like a really interesting trade deadline for you. Oh yeah. So <laughs> so so what do you think? Because of course we saw Karis Levert. He he went from the Pacers to the Cavs, and then we saw the um, Pacers bring in who I'm, I'm still kind of surprised that they were able to pull off this trade. Bring in Tyrese Halliburton, who had been having a really good season, and sending out Demonis uh, Sabonis out to the Kings. Um, so, and also bringing in Buddy Hill, who I think, uh, even though he kind of got buried with Sacramento, can be a really good uh, player mm-hmm. um, for the Pacers. So, what was kind of your thoughts on those trades and how it played out for those two teams? Yeah. Um... It's something I've definitely thought about a lot the last couple yeah. of days. Uh, so with for the for the Cavs uh, with getting Karis Levert, um, I I need to watch last night's game still uh, in yeah. which they played because I was busy writing last night. But um, I think Karis at his best can can really do something good for that team. Just with Indiana, he really didn't fit in. Uh, I think he 
he's I don't want to I don't think that he's an overrated player. I think that he's just kind of misunderstood in how he how he operates. Yeah. Like I don't really see the quote unquote all star upside or anything with him. Like I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but it just in terms of the way that he reads the floor and is a passer, I think he's very similar to Kevin Porter Jr. in some ways. Like yeah. um I think he's somebody who has real playmaking chops and ability to to move the ball. But the problem is just like when it's coming and how it's coming too. Like like similar to Kevin, like Kevin can make some incredible passes, but it's just going to be about the timing, you know, like how in sync is he with the role man? Is it, yeah. is it more like, like Karis will wait until the very last second and throws a lot of grenade passes that can take guys by surprise. <laughs> um, and it's just like, it's a, a lot of it's about time and communication. And that's not something Karis has been awesome at. Like he's not great at using screens. Um, he rejected like every screen in Indiana. It felt like, <laughs> uh, and I, I do think like part of that is there was like a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes uh that was was not great for you know fostering on-court development and chemistry but um so i do think he will help the uh the Cavs, and he, he already has seemed really happy with his fit there he's from ohio so um and they view him as part of their long-term future too um as for the pacers with uh with the Halley trade i was i mean talk about being shocked when you see a notification yeah, sure, yeah. um i was sure miles turner was going to get traded just based on all reporting and how everything was going um, I knew that that Domas had been, you know, brought up in trades a lot in terms of, you know, people asking the Pacers about him. Um, but just by all accounts, it seemed very unlikely that anybody was going to make a big enough offer to actually get him. And then the Kings did. Um, I think from both sides, there's real merits to the trade. I know that the, the Kings got kind of buried for this, but um, I think the lens that I looked at it through is their ownership sucks. Like I, <laughs> I think, I mean, you know this as a Rocket fan because Tillman is, like, the worst in every single facet. That's basically, I mean, Vivek Ronadiva is the same. Um, yeah, he's a handful. <laughs> exactly. Like, Monty McNair does not have the luxury of time to wait for yeah. Tyrese Halliburton to be an all-star level player, which I think he will be in time. Like, he is incredible. He's a really damn good young talent. Um, I think it came down to the Pacers didn't want De'Aaron Fox if they thought they could get Tyrese Halliburton. So, I think that's what it came down to. I doubt that they really wanted to. It was probably less about wanting to move Tyrese Alberton and more about just wanting to get Demonis Sabonis. And I think we've already yeah. seen too. Like the fit has been really interesting with him and Fox. I'm excited to see more of that. Um, I think definitely on paper it looks rough for the Kings, but just you know taking it into context, I I get it. I think a lot's going to depend on what they do this offseason. But I really liked what they did in getting Dante DiVincenzo too. Um, yeah, that's someone who they they wanted for a while. I think they got him at. I don't I don't love just like talking in terms of asset play, but like they got him at a lower price because he's coming off injury. Um, so I'm interested to see what it looks like. But um, I mean, I'm just interested and excited for the Pacers because I feel like they're finally um, hitting reset a little bit. But it's just going to depend on what they do in the offseason at the draft, because while they did shuffle the deck, they still have a lot of the same core in place. Is Malcolm Brogdon going to get traded, which I've heard some stuff about. Uh, I know Michael Scotto from Hoopsite reported that he he's being mentioned as execs as a guy who's probably going to be trading the offseason. Yeah. Is Miles Turner still going to be on the team? In, in, you know, post post draft, um, do they envision keeping Buddy Heald? Like, uh, I think to me, I'm encouraged by the moves that they made. But if this is a team that really wants to not just be a, a team that you know wins 45 to 48 games. Then they still they still have a lot to do in my opinion because I I love adding Tyrese but I don't think that he's a guy who's going to you know be the the number one guy who's taking you to 
it's a different heist than the team's been at. Um, because even when they had Victor at his at his top level in, in 17, 18, I mean, that was a the team that went out in the first round. So it's like yeah. uh, what are you really going to build in? Uh, I mean, buy into to building up a new team, or are you just viewing this as a retool? So um, I'm really interested to see what happens with that. Yeah, I think a lot of teams kind of get stuck in that. Do you really just want to be really, really bad and get draft picks? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to be kind of stuck in purgatory where you're just kind of, like you said, winning 45, 48 games a year, and then you're going out in the first round, and you're not getting high draft picks, so you're just kind of just stuck. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of like a lot of where a lot of teams are, are going. But I think, yeah, it's great that they were able to get Tyrese Halliburton. I think a lot of people were shocked. I think probably Halliburton was shocked himself. Oh, yeah. I don't think he thought he was going to get traded either. Because like you said, most of the talk had been about De'Aaron Fox and him possibly getting moved out just because, you know, they had Halliburton. They also have Davion Mitchell, who has been playing really well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Kings do and as far as their ownership. Yeah, that's – yeah, Tillman is not the greatest, but I, I think we still got the Kings beat on ownership. Yes, so, you do. I think at least we still does. have some direction. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's painful, man. It's, uh, it's yeah. rough. Yeah, so we'll see how that plays out. Of, of course, there were several other parades. We had, you know, Christoph Porzingis getting traded out of Dallas. Um, and also, um, we have some other moves being made. TJ McCollum going to the Pelicans. So as far as just all the other trades, what was the most interesting trade for you um, before we wrap up this first segment? What was the most interesting, interesting trade for you outside of the trades that we've already talked about? Uh, I really liked Derek White to Boston. Oh, yeah. Um, Partially just because I, I love Derek White. I think he's fantastic. He would be on an all-defense team for me right now. He's that level of good. Um, we already saw last night, like, he was a big part of them winning. Uh, so I'm interested in that because Boston has really been quite good over the last three or four weeks. They figured some things out. They really have clicked defensively. Um, the offense has been better, too. Jason Tatum has gotten out of what felt like a season-long slump. Um so I'm interested to see what that looks like. I don't think that they're pushing themselves in a contender status or anything, but um, I really liked that move from Brad Stevens. I didn't really care as much about the picks as I think some people made it out to be. Like, yeah. picks are great, but they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in their primes right now. So <laughs> yeah. what is it, you know, and not that it doesn't matter, but I mean, it's the same thing as when when James was in, was in Houston. Like, they have a lower price for what you actually need them for moving forward because what you need is right now. So um, I really like that move because he's still on a deal for for some time moving forward. He's in his prime, and I think that he really adds a lot to them in terms of as a ball handler in the half court and just overall as a player because they needed more um, higher-end talent. Um, So that would be up there for me. And I liked it for the Spurs too. Like they they, they really value Josh Primo a lot. Um, they want to see him play more. I think that opens up more playing time for him in the NBA because he's played really well in the G League. Yes. Um, they add more picks. It doesn't fully clear up things for them because they still have kind of an awkward mix of veteran talent and guys who are trying to you know make it and, and come into their own. But um, I thought it was an interesting interesting trade for them because we're just not used to seeing the Spurs make in-season trades like that. So, yeah, um, yeah. no, I, I definitely like that move a lot. Yeah, and like you said, um, the Spurs are kind of in a situation where I mean, like Deontay Murray, he just had uh, Dejounte Murray just had a really great game last night. Oh, yeah, I mean they have that type of talent, and like you said, they really like Josh Primo, who I've watched a lot because I covered the G League when mm-hmm. they were playing the Vipers when he was playing with the Austin Spurs. He's definitely a talent. I'm sure that they want to bring up as well. So I think it is one of those rare trades where it worked out for both teams. So I mean, like you said, um. 
the Celtics are trying to win now and bringing in Derek White, who I think is definitely underappreciated because of the way Murray's been playing. I think that's a really great trade from them. And then they also are able to kind of, you know, bring in another guard to help out, you know, Marcus Smart as well, because they don't have a, a lot of guard depth um, outside of a starter. So I think that's a great move for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, like I said, we can talk about the trade deadline for pretty much the entire podcast, but I want to get Mark's opinion on some of the other things when it comes to the Rockets young core and also the draft that's going to be coming up. Cause we're kind of getting to that point with the Rockets now where the individual games really don't matter as much. It's really going to, uh, we're going to start paying more attention to what's coming in the future as far as who they're going to possibly drafting in a 2022 uh, draft. So I want to get Mark's opinion on that in the last segment as well. So uh, make sure you stick around and we'll be right back. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And welcome back to Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. And we are joined by Mark Schindler of Indy Corn Rolls and also Basketball News. And I wanted to get Mark's opinion on some of the younger Rockets players because we mentioned a little bit in the first segment. Like I say, he wrote a great article um, last month uh, with Basketball News about the Rockets' young core. And, of course, I want to start off with the main person in the Rockets' young core, not the only one, but the main one, Jalen Green who struggled at the beginning of the year when the Rockets went 1-16, then he got hurt, then the Rockets went on that winning streak. I don't think it was necessary because he got hurt. That's why they went on that winning streak. But, of course, it wasn't a good look where people were kind of trying to make it where Jalen Green was the reason they were losing, and that's mm-hmm. just necessarily wasn't the case. It was really more of a case of they just was trying to, for some strange reason, we still haven't figured out why, try to put Daniel Tyson and Christian Wood in the lineup together, and that just kind of just messed up the entire rotation. But I kind of want to start off with Jalen Green and your opinion of him at the time of the writing of that article. And since then, what has been kind of your opinion of Jalen Green, who's kind of went from struggling to playing better to struggling. Now he's playing a little bit better again. Uh, what's been kind of just your overall opinion of Jalen Green this season? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a lot of this to me is just, I mean, he's a rookie. Like, And I, I think the very specific type of rookie, too, that he is, like coming in as somebody who is – um, saying that he's a project would be the wrong way to put it, but he is like, yeah. um, he's somebody who really has to grow and physically mature before I, I, I know where to be at with this game. Like I, I'm, I've been impressed with some of the things that he started to develop. Like, I think we've seen him get a little bit better at, at using screens, get a little bit better at not just, uh, skating by with his athleticism because his, like he has close to the best first step in the league already. It's yes. insane. Um, like he'll literally like not even set up a dribble move and he's still able to blow past like good perimeter defenders. It's it's kind of yeah. nuts to see. But I mean, I think part of what we're seeing just in terms of physicality, he's shooting like 40 percent at the rim, something like that. At least when I wrote the article it was around there. Um, yeah. If you're if you remove dunks. So like if it's just like strictly layups, he is really struggling at the rim because contact is tough for him. He doesn't really have counters there yet. But that's stuff he's going to grow into and learn. Like I'm not really worried about that. But I think that factors a lot into where he's at. Um, inconsistency as a shooter too. Like his footwork isn't always great. Um, it's not always the same, which especially when you're when you're shooting and or you want to be a good shooter, a lot of it comes from okay, how consistent can you be as a shooter and in your footwork yeah. and how you're getting your shot off, and um, you know, that plays a big big degree to it. 
The defense, I think, has been the, the worst part this year for sure. <laughs> yeah. His off ball defense is really rough, but I also think people are a little bit too unforgiving with it. Like this Houston context is really bad. Their their defensive communication altogether is very poor. Um, they just don't really play great connected defense as a team ever since. I mean, like when they had the winning streak, I thought they played better, obviously, but since then, I mean, not at all. So yeah. Um I think people have been too harsh with that, but like you can see the the framework and outline of who he's going to be as a player. I think he's he's been kind of impressive with some of his reads too. Like he's had some nice dump offs recently when he's getting downhill towards the rim. Um, like just fit, like he almost doesn't know how athletic he is. Sometimes it feels like like he kind of surprises himself with how capable he is of getting to the rim. Still, um, I think it's just going to be more time of him developing and figuring that out. Um, and I also want to see them better utilize him too. I think that. Like they will do things to not just like strictly have him run like spread pick and roll because I don't think that's a great way to develop somebody. Like they'll run him off of a corner pin down or something. But the problem yeah. too is the execution on actual screening and, and the ball movement, everything is kind of piss poor. So that makes it a little bit tougher too. Um, but overall, I mean, despite, you know, I think some people envisioned he was going to be averaging 20 points per game on good efficiency his rookie year. And I thought that was a little bit of uh, unfair expectations. But he's still had a very solid rookie year, and I'm not really discouraged at all by anything I've seen. And you kind of talk about talked about how the Rockets are using him. Do you think that, not to say that KPJ and Jalen Green can't work, but do you think that's part of it, that they're also still trying to develop KPJ as a ball handler? And do you think that Jalen Green can be even uh, or can progress even faster if he had the ball in his hands more? Do you, do you think he's just more – they probably should try to run him off of more screens or get him going downhill more. Um, so what do you think is the best way overall to use Jalen Green, especially when you still – you're going to have KPJ um, at least for the rest of this year and probably next year in the backcourt with him. I mean, I think the way I look at it with Jalen Green, I would like to see him get used almost more like, uh, like a DeMar DeRozan type when he first came yeah. into the league. Like I think that's – um, kind of some similarity there. Obviously, you know, shooting is a different level with them. But, um, like, I don't think that he necessarily needs the ball in his hands more. I think it's more just about how he's getting it, like you're mentioning. Like, I think I would really love to see them try and work in more with, with Schengen as a, as a dribble handoff operator and doing more from the middle of the floor because um, they really just have not done that to a high degree this year. I think they've done it a little bit more recently, but even then I don't think it's that much. I know it's tough because he like I mean, again, with that many young guys, they're not all on the same page together. It doesn't quite look as perfect as you imagine it, you know, in your head. But I do think they could get more out of it, um, especially because Christian hasn't been awesome as like a dribble handoff guy or doing anything like that in the half court. Um, like, obviously, you want to see him get more opportunities to run ball screens and whatnot. But I think a lot of it's just going to be making it easier for him so that when those opportunities do come, he's. Not, not that he's not ready for them now, but I think more just about simplifying the game for a younger player, I think, is the better way to go. Um, like with KPJ, I think we've seen some of that, too. Like just straight up giving him the ball and telling him run offense. I mean, we saw how bad, bad that was early, early in the year. Not that he's a bad player, but I just think like, I mean, that's asking him to do way too much. And I, I think like, like we've talked about, I think he's looked better recently, but part of it is just he's been absolute money from three and that's opened up more for him. Nice. Um I don't I still think to me he's ideally like a secondary ball handler who's doing stuff, you know, off, off second side and not having to create 
you know, from a standstill or just creating most of the offense in general. Like, I think this team would really benefit. Like, I know John Wall's still a touchy subject, but like this team would really benefit from having somebody like John Wall play. And I we, we don't have to get into that because I know that's a whole other thing. But like, yes. um, just having somebody who could distribute the ball and organize things in the half court, I think would really help Jalen and KPJ right now. Yeah, the John Wall thing is still kind of just a weird yeah. topic altogether because it's just really conflicting reports as far as does he want to play at all? Does he is he fine coming off the bench? Does he want to start? And that's why he doesn't want to play. So it's just a, a really weird dynamic with yeah. that. Um, I mean, the next rookie I want to talk about has pretty much been described everywhere from the next Jokic to the second greatest center in Rockets history. <laughs> so it's kind of been like some lofty expectation of Aparin Shangoon. And like you said, like you've been mentioned earlier, he's probably one of their best playmakers overall. But what's kind of been your opinion of him? What was your opinion of him coming out of college? Because um, I saw a lot of people really had um, high on their draft boards. And I saw some people that didn't really mention them a lot at all. So they were kind of surprised when the Rockets did take them um, where they did in the draft. So what's kind of been your opinion of Aparin Shangun? And how do you think he fits with Christian Wood? Because I still think that's kind of just a weird fit overall. They've been a really weird fit together on, yeah. uh, on offense and defense, I think. Um, I think, like to me, I had, I think I had Shangun like late lottery. Um yes. Some people were way too low on him, and I think some people went a little bit, like you mentioned, some people got way too lofty. Some people have this year as well. I mean, I know that's always yeah. going to happen, but um, he was like the guy last year that caused the most debate, I think, in the draft class. Um, I think we've seen a lot more with – like I think comparing him to Jokic, like not that you were, but I, I know people have, and I think it's, it's – <laughs> no. Like they're very different players in my opinion. Like they do some similar things. He has ridiculous passive vision. He's probably the best passer on the team. Um, yeah, definitely. But – I think part of the issue too is he's not the the same quickness level in in how he makes passes like like a guy like Jokic, which I think is the biggest separator. Obviously, you know the size too and the shooting touch is different, but yeah. um, I think with him, uh, I've been most impressed by the defense this year because I was I had questions about him defensively. Like I thought he was somebody who was going to have to play closer to the level of the screen and um, wouldn't be as much of a rim protector which I still think is is true. Like is if you're asking him to be a primary rim protector, I don't I don't see it. But yeah. as somebody like his ability to use his length has really impressed me. Like he's not even that he doesn't have a big wingspan. I think he's only like a plus two guy, but um he's got really good flexibility in his upper body. And he is so good at even if somebody starts to blow by him, he's really good at just like kind of swooping in late with with a contest or with a swipe. Yeah. And his hand activity has been really impressive to me. Like I really have loved how much they've tried to do more more of icing pick and rolls and just giving him the opportunity to try and use his his lateral movement because he's he's decent laterally when he has to change directions it's a problem but like if he can just go one direction use his wingspan kind of like what Nikola Vucevic does for the Bulls like he's really good at that and he's stonewalled yeah. some people um, and and again too like I've been impressed with some of the weak side rim protection stuff like he's good at coming in late. Um, and by the way, I don't mean bad, but just like, you know, coming in and help and being good at putting pressure on the ball. Like he's not, he's not ever going to be, a like a Hakeem level shot block or anything like that. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I do think he got undersold for what he could do defensively. I'm still interested to see how much they can, you know, get some flexibility out of his hips because that is a big area for him right now, where if he gets caught in the middle of the floor, I think it's problematic for him, especially against better players. Um, but I just want to see a lot more open up with, with his offense, uh, 
I'm tired of seeing him spaced out to three, to be honest, because <laughs> he first does not give a shit that he's spaced out to three. Yes. Um, like he's caught some people off guard with being able to handle him, but he's still such like a, he's pretty slow, even with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Um, and he's like he's coordinated enough to pull it off. But until he's a guy who can actually like make the defense care about shooting threes to that level, I just don't see the point of playing him in a five out offense like play four out one in defense defense is going to care a lot more about what he's doing if he's you know at the elbows and able to use his vision yeah. from there um that's what i would mostly like to see change up from him and i know part of it too is just you know getting more efficient offense from him and um you know seeing what he can do more with the ball in his hands and, and make it still be a high impact thing for the for the offense but part of it too like you just got to let it happen so i i don't i don't know uh, if you're feeling similar with that, but it's that every time I watch him, it's like, I just want to see him better used in the right spaces. Yeah. I mean, there's really no reason right now to have him at the three point line, just because yeah. like you said, he's not a, he's not a good three point shooter. At all he hesitates a lot from the three point range. He actually came out of college. He was an 80% free throw shooter. So maybe eventually he gets better as a yeah. three point shooter. Will be in time, yeah, yeah. But, but right now it's really no benefit of having him. Like, cause like you said, defenders don't even guard him out there. But when he's in the post, they run an immediate double team at him like he's um, a top five center in the league, which opens up the offense for the entire um, team and, and gives players like like you said, like Jalen Green and KPJ open threes instead of clogging up the lane when he's at the three point line like he's mm-hmm. Daniel Tice. Like when he was on the court, that's all defenders did was just stand in the lane. They didn't even bother guarding him out there. So, yeah, I definitely agree that Coach Silas and the coaching staff may come up with a better way of having him in a high post, having him in um, on the elbow, you know, to where he can actually see the court because having a three-point line really doesn't serve much of a purpose. Um, one more, Ricky, I want to get to before I wrap up this um, second segment is Josh Christopher, who started off the year on the bench, went to the G League for a few games, and hasn't been back to the G League since because he's just gotten better, it seems like, every single month. So what's kind of your overall opinion of Josh Christopher, who seems like, at times, he's been probably the second best rookie on the team. Um, if you look at his overall body of work, yeah, I mean, he's been impressive for me. He was somebody who I thought, um, I thought coming out of college, you know, playing at Arizona State, he was like very, um, very tough for me to get a read on. Obviously, just a crazy, crazy athlete, like um, insanely good first step. Just, I mean, I think he has like the biggest quads in the NBA. It feels like. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think like seeing him play at summer league, I think really helped me feel a little bit more comfortable about him in Houston uh, because they were like, he bought in immediately to just being like, I'm going to be the go play defense guy and then I'll do whatever I can on offense. Um, And I've really been impressed with that from him this year. Cause I don't, I I never thought he was like a bad defender last year, but he's somebody who was prone to off ball lapses. I still think that's come through for him this year, but um, he's impressed me just in his ability to, I'm going to go out there, play defense, and then work in some more uh, as, a, as a catch and shoot guy. And and when I get drive opportunities, and I think, um, especially in, in like the last week or two, as we've gotten to see more of him with uh, actually running the, not necessarily running the offense, but like having opportunities to, like that game against San Antonio was awesome. Like that was his best yeah. game of the year by far, not just in terms of putting up points, but I think in terms of like command with the ball in his hands. Um, like he's, starting to make some passes that are actually like kind of good. Uh, Cause that was another thing for him. Like he's awesome getting downhill, but it's just, you know, he doesn't have the greatest court vision. He's not an awesome passer, but he's starting to see some things more. Um, 
And again, just the driving is ridiculous. Like he just like he, one foot leaps from like five feet inside the free throw line and gets to the rim. Like it's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Um, so I've been really impressed with him. I want to see more of like what he can do just as a guy attacking off second side off of like, he's another guy who would really benefit from playing aside alongside somebody who can really organize the offense. And I think he, uh, he's definitely somebody who would benefit playing more with Shangun and just, you know, what he can do, uh, using his speed and quickness alongside, um, Shangun's playmaking ball handling. Cause like, like what we talked a little bit about with Sabonis earlier, I think, Part of why I like his fit in Sacramento alongside Fox is Fox is not an awesome decision maker. He's not like he's a okay passer, but he's not a great yeah. one. Having somebody like Sabonis, like Shangun, like I mean, even like we've seen with Joel Embiid this year, operating more out of as a post playmaker. Um, you know, like what what Bam can do. If you have guys who aren't like like they have primary capabilities. So in terms of their ability to bend a defense with their speed, quickness, power. If you can combine that with somebody who can make the decision-making process easier for them or even just take it away entirely, like I think you can really get some good stuff out of that. And that's why I'm so enticed by somebody like Shangun because with Christopher, like he has – I mean, he might be the most uh, – other than, than than Jalen Green, he's the most athletic player on the team. Like, And the fact that there's even debate is crazy because Josh is like – a 99th percentile athlete but yeah. um i think a lot for me too is just like i think he's a better shooter off the dribble than off the catch right now if i remember correctly like it's somewhere around there but he's yeah. another guy whose footwork is really inconsistent his shot prep isn't super consistent um getting the most out of himself is going to be a lot from coming is is what he can do as a shooter yeah and i think he's gotten better as a shooter because like you say yeah he was pretty inconsistent earlier in the year inconsistent at arizona state which that team was just kind of a mess anyway. <laughs> yes. And I think he just still kind of are. Got, yeah, yeah, I've heard they still are. He kind of got stuck in a numbers game to where he was playing with two other senior guards who just kind of just took shots and never passed mm-hmm. the ball. So it was um it was kind of just hard to kind of evaluate him anyway coming out of college. And I think that he's finally starting to get his footing. And I think playing in the G League really helped him, even though it was only three games, because he was the primary ball handler there for the Vipers, and I think that kind of helped him when he went back with the Rockets. So mm-hmm. I think the fact that the Rockets got him where they got him is um, really a steal because a lot of teams were considering – or a lot of people were considering that the only reason Rockets drafted him because he was Jalen Green's friend, which we're starting to see that's definitely not the case, that he's definitely really not. a really good player. So, yeah, I mean, the Rockets also had another – uh, draft pick in Uzma Garuba, who unfortunately has just kind of been in and out from the G League and the Rockets and has been hurt. So it's been kind of hard to evaluate him overall. Um, but I think that, you know, between Josh Christopher and Aparin Shangun and Jalen Green, that they are really happy to wor- uh, wor- where they drafted and the players that they drafted in the direction they're going in. So I think going into this next draft, they're going to be trying to figure out what players going to fit with those three players. Because I think right now those are – Along with KPJ, who is still really young, that's the core yeah. of the team. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in the final segment. I want to get Mark's opinion on the upcoming draft and what players fit better with the Rockets. Who do he has as like his top five right now as far as who can possibly be coming out in a 2022 draft? Um, so I want to definitely get Mark's opinion on that. So please stick around. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. 
And welcome back to Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. And we are joined again by Mark Schindler um, of Basketball News. And I want to lead off with and, of course, talk about in this final segment, the upcoming draft, because like I mentioned earlier, the more the losses mount and the later we get in the season, that the focus is really going to shift from individual games and how they're playing to the draft come up in the next um, offseason. Um, and that's where I kind of want to start with you, Mark. When you're looking at the draft that's coming up and you have, um, you know, the March Madness coming up and you're going to have the end of the year awards and things like that. What's like your top five? Because, of course, I was checking out the you know the big board on basketball news mm. and I saw the order that y'all have me on. I was a little bit surprised by the first one, but he has been rising pretty fast. So what's like your top five going into the uh, draft for 2022? Yeah. So right now, my top five, at least where I'm at at the moment, will be Paolo Bancaro, um, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, Jaden Ivey, and then A.J. Griffin at five. Um, I think like I really like Jabari. I, I can't get there with him at number one right now. I think <laughs> I understand why some people are, but I have real questions about what he's going to be able to do if he's a primary option or, or what how a, a efficient the offense is going to be just because he has um, – he can set up some really nice combinations uh, from a standstill, but when you ask him to get downhill, it's just not a thing right now. Um, I think he's looked a little bit better with it recently, but even then he's had some issues getting stuffed at the rim when he's off the dribble. Um, like the level of shooter he is is ridiculous and can't be undersold, and I think maybe there is a team that will be willing to take him number one there because I, I think sometimes we get like too uh, you know, into – BPA versus fit. Like, I think it's yeah. different for every team. I think every team should, would, I mean, of course, every team does have their own big board, and I think we should view it the same way. Um, but to me, I look at somebody like Paolo, who, what he can do operating both from the perimeter on the interior, his passing has gotten better and back to what we're used to this year. Um, like, I mean, he's an incredible scorer. Yeah. I think he's been fine defensively this year. I think he's been a little bit picked on too much for his defense. Like I, D, Duke's defense overall leaves a lot for me to be desired. Um, but there just also aren't a lot of guys who are 6'10 that have that kind of handle, that kind of feel, that passing ability, that ability as a scorer altogether while still being a plus athlete. So for me, he's an easy number one. Um, Chet is like one of the best rim protection prospects that I've ever seen. Um, I think that a lot of the tropes get, get, get used against him are kind of bullshit, frankly, um, <laughs> just because of him being skinny, like, yeah, uh, which I don't really, I mean, I get it. Like aesthetic bias is a thing, but I also think like he's just a good basketball player and has a really bright future. And, um, a lot of the quote unquote injury concerns that get brought up with him, like that's not something that's ever played out. So I don't, I don't really understand some of that. Um, I mean, who have who have you seen this year that, that you like most, or, or what are you most interested in for the for the Rockets? I would definitely say, I mean, when it started the year, I, I would say it probably was Bancaro. Mm-hmm. But the more and more I pay attention to Chet Holmgren and what the Rockets actually really, really need, because the Rockets, a lot of people talk about their offense, but the Rockets have probably the worst defense in the league right now. Yeah, they have no rim protection. Um, they give up points. Um, at a, at, a, at a crazy clip right now to the point where it doesn't even really matter how many points they score. They're not going to win games because they can't stop anybody. And like you said, Chet Holmgren just seems like the type of player that can actually – is a game changer on defense. And this is kind of where I was last year with Evan Mobley and mm-hmm. the whole Evan Mobley-Jalen Green debate. 
not to go too deep into that again because we talked about that at nauseam last yeah. year. But I saw that Evan Mobley, even when he's having a bad offensive game, he can completely change the game on the defensive end. And I see that the same way at Chet Holmgren. And also, he is a good enough offensive player to where he's not a liability on offense by by any means. So I just think that he fits better with if your if your plan is to play Apper and Shangoon a lot of minutes. I just think that you need a player like Chet Holmgren who can actually cover up a lot of defense mistakes, not just from Apper and Shangoon, but from Jalen Green. And even though KBJ is getting better at on the defensive end, he still has a lot of work to do on the defensive end as well. So I just think having a player like Chet Holmgren, who's also shooting, if I'm not mistaken, a really great percentage, especially the last 10 to 15 games from three-point range. So I just think that having a player like Chet Holmgren, you can actually build around who doesn't actually need the ball in his hand to affect the game on both ends. I just think that that's what the Rockets need going forward. And and that's kind of another thing I want to – you brought up about a lot of people having an issue with his frame, and I think that was the same thing people were talking about with Evan Mobley. Mm. Do you think that's a problem at all going into the next um, next level? Or do you, like you said, do you think that's just kind of just overblown or just something that people are kind of nitpicking at? Like, I do think that it's fair to um, to be worried by it, honestly. Yeah. Like, I think it was a thing for Evan, too. Obviously, he, I mean, Chet's at a whole other level with it, for sure. Yeah. Um, but my thing is just that it's never been an actual issue. Like, even when he's, like, uh, I'm trying to remember, they played against Miles Johnson against UCLA earlier in the year, one of the best post players in the NCAA. Yeah. And, well, yeah, he absolutely – like threw him around, it didn't matter. I mean, Chet was awesome as a rim protector. He's his functional strength is is fantastic. Like he's very good at angling, um, very good at using his full length, which is ridiculous. I think he's got like a seven seven wingspan is somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, but he's just like in spite of his flaws that he has, like similar to watching somebody like Jaden McDaniels in in Minnesota who plays Minnesota, much bigger yeah. than his size. Um, he just knows how to play, and I think. You can definitely have concerns about injury or worries about it, but I also would say that's up for the teams to figure out. Like, we're not doctors. I don't know. Like, it, and, and for me, yeah. he's never had a significant injury um, throughout his playing time or playing tenure. That's not been something on the radar for him. So until it happens, I can't be that worried about it. Um, like you mentioned, too, like I think if I had to pick somebody for the Rockets, number one, it, it would probably – I mean, it might be Chet, honestly. Like, the idea of Powell is really exciting there, too. But like you mentioned yeah. with Chet, I think – um, he's almost been undersold as a passer this year. Like, I don't think he's like a generational passer or anything like that. He's not on the same, same level as Schengen, but he knows where to be, which is a really big, important part of it's not, it's not part of passing or playmaking, but it may as well be like just how he sees the game. He's not somebody who's just going to stand still in the corner and quote unquote space. You can't really just space. It's going to be, you know, how the defense defends you. But like, yeah. if somebody cheats off of him, he'll cut baseline. If, you know, if if he's in the slot and his defender doesn't zone up, then he'll 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 take a forty-five cut towards the basket. Like he just knows how to operate and and flow and grease the offense, which is a really important part for somebody who's not going to be a ball dominant player. Um, I think yeah, he's shooting forty-six point five percent from three on the year. I don't think yeah. it's that good, but it's a really high release point. I think the shot needs to quicken up a little bit, but that's stuff that's going to come in the NBA. Um, I think there's going to be a greater emphasis for him to shoot in the NBA. More importantly, I don't think he's going to be a hesitant shooter. Like that's some, even more important than shooting a good percentage is getting them up without hesitation because that makes the defense care more. Um, 
Like, I think he's going to be better than just like a neutral offensive player. Like, I think he'll be very good. He's going to be good. Um, just like, like I mentioned, kind of like flowing in and out, making sure that he's operating. And I, I love the idea of him rounding out the front court with Shangman. Like, I think people will have questions about his mobility. I know it's been brought up. He's not like a quick guy, but his reaction time might be one of the best I've ever seen just in how yeah. quick something like he will notice. Like there was i I'm trying to remember which game it was, I think it was the Gonzaga game. It's either Gonzaga or Texas tech. I know. Yeah, it was Texas tech. So Texas tech plays like more of a, uh, they play like basically five wings at all time. Like they really uh-huh. don't play a big, uh, except like they will occasionally, but um, they did a lot of trying to bring Chet out into the mid post or up into the high post um, and operating with playmaking from there. To just to try and draw him out from the rim and even then like they would be sending cutters back door and he would be able to turn get his hand on the ball or just turn and make a contest at the rim because he sees things happen quickly enough like i do think part of that goes down at the nba level because guys are just quicker but also i mean his timing and verticality and positioning technique already is so good and i think there's room for it to improve too like he can be somebody who maybe jumps a little bit too early on closeouts, but like that, I think I see that. I'm like, okay, he's already like a generational level rim protector prospect, and there's room for him to improve. It's not like he's perfect right now. Um, yeah. So I look at that stuff, and that's really encouraging to me. Um, like I look at him, and I think some people look at him too and be like, oh, he has to be a center. He has to be this. He has to be that. I, I don't think so. Like to me, um, he's not the same lateral mover, um, and he's not going to be the same kind of guy at the point of attack, but like, he's a better defensive prospect than Jonathan Isaac. And like Jonathan Isaac was an incredible defensive prospect at Florida State. I think they're very similar in terms of uh, just having that kind of roaming off ball, which I, that's what I really like for him. Like, like you mentioned, covering up a lot of the mistakes that Houston might have being a defensive organizer. That's the kind of stuff that I see from him that is incredibly tantalizing. Um, And especially like it's, it's even less about position, but more like, like you're mentioning, it's just, He's going to be able to do multiple things at a high level. Um, honestly, yeah. I mean, I, I I've gone, I, I've already gone on and on about him for like ten minutes. Man. I think he would, he would be very good in, in Houston. Yeah. And yeah, like you say, you can't go wrong with Chet or or um, Bancaro as far as for the Rockets. But like you say, overall, I think just the defensive um, presence that he brings is something the Rockets sorely mm-hmm. need right now. They 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 have to have some type of rim protection. And don't get me wrong, I think that Jabari Smith is going to be a really good player. But like you said, it just kind of depends on what else is he going to give you outside of the shooting that's going to make a huge impact on a team like the Rockets. And don't get me wrong, the Rockets definitely need shooting, but I think defense is their biggest issue right now um, mm-hmm. that they need to address one way or another in the draft, reagents or, or whatever. So I think that they definitely – that at least on my – on my, in my opinion, that Chet is definitely the first person that they should be looking at when it comes to that. But like you said, they have their own big board, and they've probably been studying these players long before they even got into mm-hmm. college. So I'm sure they know exactly which way they're going to be leaning, even now, way before we even get into the draft. Um, before we wrap it up, I want to ask you, um, are there any sleepers or any other players that we should be focusing on? Because we know that the Rockets – are going to have more than just this high draft pick. They're also going to have another pick somewhere in the first round, possibly. So are there any other players that maybe t- uh, people aren't talking about that we should probably pay a little bit more attention to as we get closer to March Madness? Yeah. Um, somebody who I really think is going to start rising up big boards later on because he's played extremely well over the last month and a half is Malachi Branham out of Ohio State. 
Um, I don't think he would make a ton of sense for Houston right now because, like, like mm-hmm. we mentioned, like I don't think he's a bad defender, but they need more like in the front court defensively yeah. too, and adding more playmaking. Um, but Malachi Branham is a guy who is probably going to be one and done out of Ohio State, or at least it's seeming more likely that he will be because of how well he's playing. Um, six five, uh, two guard, like a full through and through two guard, really good, solid ball handler, really good at attacking off the dribble, good shooter. Um, I like him a lot. Like to me, I think a lot of people like Max Christie at Michigan State, and that's why I don't like him. Like I think he's a good prospect, but I would, I'm more interested in Malachi Branham than Max Christie right now. Um, and right now, you're not going to see that on big wars, but I do think he's starting to get some buzz. Um, I'm really interested to see what happens for him. He might end up going back to school for another year. It just depends. But if he keeps playing like this, and I mean, Ohio State has been a really good team throughout the year. If they end up going, um, you know, and making a good tournament run, I think that he'll end up getting another buzz. We can have another conversation about how dumb it is that the tournament bump happens, but um, yeah. <laughs> it is very real. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. And one other thing before we wrap it up. So do you see this draft as being as strong on the front end as last year's draft or as deep as, as last year's draft? Or a lot of people were saying last year's draft was. Uh, I mean, I know the, the common thing to throw out this year has been that it's not as good. And I guess yeah. that's fair, um, like especially at the top. I don't I don't think it's, you know, you don't have a Cade or Mobley, but I still think like I, I think too much has been made out of like, oh, well, you know, I, I wouldn't want to take this guy with a number six pick in a regular draft. I'm like, well, it's still the draft this year. Like that, that's yeah. just, it is what it is. Like um, I think it to a, it, it's been a, used a little bit too much for me, but I definitely, I definitely think there's some merit to it, especially once you get to like, you know, the like around like eight and then to the rest of the first round, it's just kind of like you could put whoever it feels like yeah. sort of. Um, but I, I don't know. It might end up surprising us. My friend uh, PD Webb on Twitter ended up I mean, wrote a really good piece called "Scouting Off the Screen," just um, noting, you know, this year is the first year that we're really going to see guys who have been heavily impacted by by COVID in terms of how it impacts player development. Um, yeah. I think that's something to keep note of and and take you know note for this year because even just like looking at Paolo, like he did not play. Um, I actually don't think that he played at all last season or something like that. But yeah. instead of actually getting to do all that much playing like high school or playing on the, the EYBL circuit, um, like he was just mainly doing stuff, working in the gym and, and working with trainers. And you can see that in his game. It was like very mechanical and segmented. And um, part of why is his feel and court vision looked wonky because you could tell like he hadn't played in a while uh, at the beginning of the year. And that started to come through now. But I do I do wonder you know, how that looks for guys as uh, as this year continues to progress um, and what that looks like for them in terms of how they develop at the next level. But, um, yeah, I, I think I, I definitely would agree with you. Yeah, and like you said, it's going to be interesting because the Rockets, they don't have as many picks, at least for now, as they did last year, but they're definitely mm-hmm. going to be looking for people outside of that, you know, top three or four. And sometimes, as we see with people like Josh Christopher, <laughs> sometimes you can find even better players at the end of the draft that people may not be talking about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think a lot of Rockets fans can be paying really to- close attention to the rest of the season and March Madness, especially as the Rockets get further and further out from, um, you know, actually looking like they're going to win a lot of games, which I think yeah. we're already pretty much at that point. Uh, before we wrap it up, Mark, could you just let everybody know the many places they can find all your content? 
Yeah, well, first of all, thanks enough for having me on, man. This was a blast. Yeah. I'd love to do it again sometime. You can find me on Twitter at MSchindlerNBA. That's M-S-C-H-I-N-D-L-E-R-N-B-A. Uh, I'm over at Basketball News. Uh, like you mentioned, Fear the Sword. I have a draft podcast with my friend Jake Rosen over at Tag the Roll. I would try and do something once a week there. Um, yeah, man. I, I mean, mostly just Twitter. I'm, I'm pretty active there. I put all my yes, stuff yeah. up there. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I, I definitely appreciate you coming on. Uh, we have been talking back and forth on Twitter for a while, so it's definitely great to have you on. I'm definitely going to have you back on because we're going to have – it's probably going to turn into a lot more draft talk as mm-hmm. we get closer to the end of the year for the Rockets. So definitely want to have you back on. And, again, like I said, you wrote a great article about the Rockets' young prospects, so I definitely I want people to go check that out, out at over at uh, Basketball News because it was pretty in-depth on a lot of the Rockets' young players and – and it came out last month, but it still pertains to a lot of what's going on right now with the young core. So definitely uh, check that out. And like I said, I appreciate having you on. And we'll definitely have you back on here soon. Thanks for having me, man. Of course. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you have already done so, make sure you check out the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And as usual, we, we love that you join us here today and make sure to check us out on YouTube because this video will be up pretty soon on YouTube as well. Um, So make sure you check that out. And as always, we are your home for all the Houston Rockets news. So make sure you check us back out. We'll be back on on Tuesday and Thursday, as usual. And I'll be back next Saturday with another guest. So uh, make sure you check us out. And we appreciate you joining us.